Welcome to Brand Story Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Welcome to Brand Story Inc. as we continue our Future of Sports content series with this episode's edition, The Future of Sports Gambling Content. Today's guest is Teresa Fiore from PointsBet, where she serves as the Manager of Responsible Gambling and Corporate Social Responsibility. I've recently had the pleasure of meeting with Teresa and her insights and knowledge on the rapidly evolving sports gambling market, its impact on content, and it wowed me uh, to the point where I just wanted to bring the spirit of our conversations to you, knowing you'd benefit from her expertise. Teresa has been in the responsible gambling sector since 2016, uh, where she worked at the Massachusetts Gaming Commission, uh, oversaw statewide responsible and problem gambling programs for brick-and-mortar casinos. Uh, PointsBet is the fastest-growing U.S. sports gambling operator and has a landmark media partnership deal with NBC Sports, along with being the first operator to ink a sponsorship deal with a college athletics program, which they did with the University of Colorado. They've since added the University of Maryland. PointsBet has also been one of the more creative and innovative content creators, publishing truckloads of daily cross-platform original content. So I thought with that, let's welcome Teresa to Brand Story Inc. Hey, Jay. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so excited uh, to have you, and as I mentioned in the intro, kind of have one of the conversations we're having and just let other people listen in on it, because it's, it's been so beneficial to me, and, and, and I'm excited. So I figured we'd start by you explaining what your role entails, what's your day job at PointsBet. Sure. So I am the manager of responsible gambling and corporate social responsibility. I know that requires a bit of a backstory, so I'll share that with you now. Um, essentially, my role is just to ensure that PointsBet is operating and growing in a way which is sustainable and minimizes potential harms to customers. Um, we, you know, always want to function as a good corporate citizen, doing right by our players and also the communities in which we operate. Responsible gambling, more broadly is essentially a group of strategies and initiatives and they come together to ensure that gambling is enjoyed strictly as a form of entertainment. Um, This work really touches all facets of an organization, you know, if done right. um, So that includes compliance, technology, and marketing. And then within that framework, of course, we have strategies to provide at-risk and persons struggling with gambling addictions, um, the tools and resources um, to lead them towards recovery. Cool. Well, uh, it's it's quite a bit, um, as I don't need to tell you, but you know, I think of any industry in sports media, uh, there has been no more rapid change um, and impact than... Mm-hmm the gambling, right? And so I'm curious, as we record this in late February of 2022, your perspective of where are, paint the picture for where we are in the big picture on U.S. sports gambling, you know, in terms of how many states are illegal, how many are coming on board, like where are we from from the big picture? Sure. Um, Simple question, rather complicated answer. We have, you know, dedicated individuals who study just this, but at my last check-in, online sports wagering was legal in 19 states within the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, With PointsBet operating a sports betting product in 10 of those states and an online casino product in two of those states, and we also have a handful of retail sports book operations as well. you you put it perfectly. It is a constantly um, evolving landscape that we are working in. 
Well, how would you assess the current state of maybe sports gambling content in terms of where we are in the big picture, right? So there's the legal component, but then, you know, and one of the reasons I was excited to have you on, as I mentioned, was like, um, I know Teddy, who's, you know, the, one of the editors of Points mm-hmm. Bet Content. You guys are doing some, you know, a, a significant amount of content creation. Um, but what's your assessment of where we are in gambling content? Yeah, so, I mean, I can obviously speak to Points Bet um, and have had the pleasure of working with Teddy directly too. Um, We are a smaller organization in that we keep everything in-house. So our content creation, our technology, so we are able to really innovate um, and pivot in that space where needed. More broadly, when we're looking at it from an industry perspective, I think the sort of consensus is, you know, that... The public is being inundated um, Mm -hmm. with sports betting and gambling advertising. Regulators are not naive to this sentiment and have certainly sent clear warnings um, that there has to be more of a strategy in place for advertising. This is, again, going back to the idea that we want to be a good corporate citizen um, and have respect for the communities in which we operate. But there's also an important business component here as well. We don't want to, you know, put a bad taste in the mouth of both regulators and public whose vote and whose regulations Mm -hmm. essentially allow us to function and to grow. Um, So, you know, we all want to grow as quickly as possible and be successful, but we have to be thinking about the long term as well. You know, I want to circle back to that. The the last conference that I went to before COVID was at Turner Sports. It was um, a, a sports media summit down there. And it was amazing. That's where I was just kind of like every speech was about gambling content, right? And the revenue stream, like, and and one of the things is we kind of pivot into uh, some of the people I'm talking to on the technology side of content, right? And and how it's going to play out. Really, the the epicenter being live game integrations, right? With smart TVs and um, the ability to potentially be betting in real time on on games is something that seems imminent, right? Like. Yeah. Not, um, like actually integrating into the live game content experience. Yeah, I mean, you can bet mm-hmm. right now, but I'm talking like literally integrated into the television. So what, what are the types of things that you're hearing um, in your shop and other places in the industry about th- that live game betting experience and where we are and where it's going? Yeah, um, we're actually at a a really unique place in history. Um, We are truly entering into a new era of sports entertainment, and that in and of itself is exciting. But I will say, given my role, the things that are exciting for the industry are also the things that make me a little nervous, too, Mm -hmm. um, because I'm charged with ensuring that, you know, as we rapidly grow not only as an operator, but nationwide as an industry, the appropriate safety guards um, are growing right alongside that. So when we think about advertising in particular and the sort of advertising wars that are going on, for lack of a better term, um, between operators, PointsBet has made the decision, you know, to really invest in product and staff so that we are delivering an exceptional customer experience. Mm -hmm. Um, We understand this is a longer term strategy. We are looking for customers who are going to stay with us and who 
are going to grow with us. Um, I often, I know you and I had talked about this before, but I often look towards the UK for a sort of direction and roadmap about what's going on here in the US. Um, Essentially, they legalized in much of the same way we are legalizing across the United States. Um, It was fast and there was a lot of learning to be done. Now, you know, eight, nine, ten years later, they grew way too quickly and they're feeling like the advertising was too much. They have um, a much larger percentage of their population who is now struggling with gambling addiction. Mm -hmm. So the regulators have turned around. um, They're imposing really strict limitations on advertising. They are issuing substantial fines to operators um, and they're just trying to rebalance everything. So that is truly um, what I look towards is I think about us growing in the space, not only as a single operator, but as, you know, a member of this rapidly growing industry in the U.S. Well, I I, I want to circle back to that U.K. thing in a second. And, and I, I, that's the reason I had you on here, because you're bringing the regulatory lens right to things and kind mm-hmm. of like you have a, a, a full 360 approach to this. Um, <laughs> so we'll get into that in a second. But so one of the things that concerned me, um, I was talking to a president of a sports media company, and, and he was telling me how he's conflicted, right? Because it's clear, and this this has nothing to do with points bet or any other gambling operator. It has more to do with the concept of gambling, right? What I'm about mm-hmm. to say. It's like, he's like, the day's coming. Like we can see it and the revenue is there, but like to be able to real-time bet on pitch by pitch, right? Is it going to be a ball or strike? Is it going to be hit to the outfield? Like for an entire nine inning game, it doesn't take much to see how something like that could lead to, you know, to your point of like gambling addiction and things like that, like putting that mm-hmm. candy out there. And so yeah. I'm, I'm curious about, as you talk to state regulators and media companies, what are the conversations like on that? And, you know, less so from a points bet perspective or a gambling operator, but the, the concept of like what, what's been learned in the UK um, in terms of actually the live game experience and how it relates to betting. Sure. I mean, from a regulatory perspective, you have to understand that these commissions or sometimes they're known as gaming enforcement bureaus on a state by state basis, they're charged with overseeing primarily gambling operations in the state. Mm -hmm. So while they overlap a bit with advertising, it's not necessarily an area where they have expertise or, you know, it's even within their charge to primarily oversee. So so some some regulators are approaching it differently, but I think to your point in the conversation that you had, um, there also needs to be buy-in um, and acceptance of this from the networks, from mm-hmm. stakeholders and media, but also from teams and leagues themselves. It can't be you know just the operators who are trying their best to promote responsible gambling. It has to be from the regulators. It has to be from all parties involved. And just a collective responsibility um, across all of us. That's how we're really going to sort of push the needle on this and get us in a better position, um, and hopefully avoid you know what is going on in the UK right now. So, so follow up there, kind of going off script here. So, if if a if a media company wanted to be bold and do what I just said, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the whatever some technology company enables them, and we hear. You can do pitch by pitch prop bets in a baseball game or whatever it is, right? And it's and 
Is there any recourse that regulators have on like national media companies doing something like that? Or like, how, do, how would that work? Not necessarily for um, gaming re regulators if looking at advertising companies as a separate entity, mm -hmm. but it would be, you know, they're really overseeing and regulating the operators. So any sort of partnership or business they're doing with them, that's where they're able to really, um, you know, regain some control and redirect the function of that partnership. Okay. So since gambling education, addiction awareness, you know, and, and then tangentially, you know, impacts integrity of sport are under kind of your ballywick, share some data and insights with us on what's going on in this area of the industry. In the area of, sorry, gambling education? Yeah, and, and just addiction, like, how, um, there's a lot of numbers thrown out about addiction <laughs> and stuff like that. Like any, yeah. any, if you could set the stage for us on kind of like, what is gambling addiction like in the U.S. today? Sure. Um, so, you know, conservatively, um, the estimate is that about 2% of the U.S. adult population meets mm -hmm. the diagnostic criteria for gambling addiction. And so that equates to roughly 6 million U.S. adults. Mm -hmm. I say conservative um, because of the stigmas, the shame um, around problem gambling in particular and individuals, you know, discomfort and admitting that they have a problem further it's estimated as conservative because we're not considering the other impacts that one individual's addiction is having on their you know their spouse their children their employers the broader community in which they live and work um so that's sort of the baseline number that you'll hear thrown around but i always like to include you know the sort of disclaimer to that that this is a problem that is potentially much larger than even we as the experts in the state sort of understand mm -hmm. um, there was a really good study um, which is done and is updated in Massachusetts um, and that is a general population study where it is estimated that an additional 8% of the population um, of the adult population rather is at risk for developing a gambling problem mm -hmm. And so our sort of efforts in this space within responsible gambling is focusing on that population and trying to either, A, keep them within that sort of at-risk category or slide them into the less severe end of the spectrum where they are able to enjoy gambling strictly as a form of entertainment. We never want to see anyone progress. Again, it goes back to that theme of sustainability of our customers and the sustainability of our business. Um, another, you know, and yeah, you know, I can talk about stats all day. <laughs> a lot of research. Well, it's, it's, it's important, right? Because I mean, it, you know, it, it means a lot coming from you because you're in front of state regulatory boards all the time and having real facts and the numbers are all over the place, you know, depending on who you're sourcing. So this is, this is an important set to set mm -hmm. the table the right way. I mean, yeah. one thing that, um, I, I, as part of this series, we had Tom Ojakjian on, who's the senior associate commissioner of the American athletic conference, former head of college sports at ESPN. And we talked about this, right? Because it's gambling is obviously something that's high on the radar of conference co collegiate athletics, and and I think the college sports market, and you, uh, you can agree or disagree with me on this, seems to be one of the more challenging areas, right? Because if you think about, it's all about access to information, and this, you know, I, I've had anecdotal conversations with conference executives talking about, you know, there's a basketball player who gets injured, and the kids in the dorm 
who can be betting right there can see that their star player just get injured, right? And so mm-hmm. and there's a lot of other things that just happen with that population that are different. What are, what are some of the protections, areas of improvement that, that you see that could be done or, or that should be done if you had the crystal balls that relates to maybe this area or other areas? Sure. Um, so, you know, university partnerships um, are something that I pay really close attention to. Um, so there are various safeguards um, and strategies that we can carry out within the space. Um, you know, a sort of fundamental component of responsible gambling is understanding all the players who are involved at the individual level. So for a student athlete, you know, what what does their day-to-day look like? What does their financial situation look like? Um, what does it mean for them as they are coming of age in an environment where, you know, if they turn on the TV, um, sports operators are advertising um, and they're highly, highly aware of it. As we have more stakeholders who, you know, have, for lack of a better term, stakes in certain games, Mm -hmm. what are the possible pressures that could be applied to them as Mm -hmm. players? And so, you know, there's examples throughout history in the U.S. and abroad of point shaving Mm -hmm. or, you know, actions which challenge the integrity of the sport in general. And so I think think um, a really excellent place to start um, is providing education, right? It's more than just you can't gamble. Well, why can't you as a student athlete gamble, for example? Mm -hmm. How do you respond if you are approached by somebody who is offering you, you know, Mm -hmm. money to to fix a game or, or to, you know, impact any of the actions in the game? So it's something that collectively we need to acknowledge um and i don't think it's it's necessarily because of the legalization of sports betting i think it was happening long before we just yeah we just have a really really incredible and i will say finite too opportunity to sort of ride the wave right Mm -hmm. and um provide this education and this training um and let everyone kind of get caught up to speed and evolve within the space what are you hearing about the technology because i've heard you know uh, as it relates to this in terms of are we at a point where there's companies and the technology exists to kind of track so if you think of like a every every player that's on a varsity sport in college like are, are you know and i know there's privacy issues and things like that but if they were to place a bet right on a, a platform mm-hmm. does the technology currently exist or are things being done to kind of track that to kind of monitor things Yeah, so that's a really good example of why these sort of emerging partnerships are really important. So um, you mentioned points bet partnership with CU Boulder or the University of Maryland. Mm -hmm. Um, It's important to have the conversations with the appropriate athletic department staff and offer or even require, depending on the structure of the contract, um, blacklisting for student athletes. So Mm -hmm. they already know um, NCAA um, guidelines say, you know, you as a student athlete cannot engage in this behavior. We're putting this extra technical protection in place where we will collect their personal information, which will block them from even being able to create an account with us Mm. nationally i'm not sure if that exists but i can obviously speak to it Mm -hmm. um through the points bet lens very cool um so i'm curious to get your take on where the live in-person gambling experience is going 
you know, in terms of like a college football game or basketball or a pro game, you know, I mean, as, as states start to roll this stuff out, um, yes, there's the advertising component, but maybe more from like an experiential perspective. What, what are the types of things we can expect to see happening um, at games? Yeah, so I mean, at games, um, obviously there's the advertising piece, but of course there's the integration as well of real-time lines, real-time odd, real-time bets. Um, it's such a huge topic, Jay. There's really there's really so many ways yep. to approach it. Um, but I, I think generally, you know, we are at that really turning point where sports are going to be enjoyed differently from here on out in the United States. That applies both to somebody sitting at home watching a game and somebody, you know, attending an event in person um, with their friends or whomever else so again my goal is to understand those individual customer journeys um somebody who may have a points bet account regardless of how enjoying they are enjoying that sport and making sure we are um appropriately communicating you know responsible gambling messaging making sure that they understand the um limit setting tools that we have available to them making sure they understand or at least are aware of problem gambling resources should they or somebody else um get into trouble um and have difficulty in controlling their gambling yeah it's such an interesting dynamic and (laughs) you know you think about um your partnerships and you know points bets competitors partnerships that they have like you could just see like the, there's the chicken egg like if uh i'm in chicago so if you're at a bears game and they have a you know gambling partner like the incentive for them right and the advert in the um and the gambling operator to have on the led boards like mm-hmm. here's real-time bets and real-time right like as part of the partnership which then it becomes like the chicken egg of you know um there's that push and pull between responsible gambling and to your point that 10, roughly 10% that's at stake and kind of the push and pull of the more you make it prevalent, you know, it's just a numbers game, right? To your point, 2% of X population is one number and 2% of 2X population is a double the size number. And so it's, it's, it's a really interesting um, dynamic. And, and, and I think to that end, I'm just curious in terms of the proliferation of OTT streaming and live sports becoming just so much more prevalent, women's sports in particular. Um, it's interesting. Do you see what, what conversations are going on around gambling for sports that currently don't have like point spreads and lines and things like that um, and, and, and its impact potentially on ratings and connectivity, right? Sure. Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, I think it's a matter of time before we do start seeing those things across sports where they may not have been um, traditionally as popular as this sort of grows in popularity people are going to want to bet on different things. So we're, we're going to see changes in the landscape that way. Um, you know, in terms of those integrations, in terms of the OTT, yeah, I mean, with responsible gambling, um, even with corporate social responsibility more broadly, there is a sort of natural tension there. But that's not to say that there shouldn't be. Again, it goes back to we all need to acknowledge what is going on here. Um, and we as the various experts in this space or individuals, you know, with the sort of most power over these domains um, can kind of say, 
yeah, you know, this is what we have in place to combat this. Um, there, there's no reason why we, um, any of us really, should back down from it. If we're going to come up with a true solution to it, we have to work together on it. What's the, what's the number one thing right now on your to-do list, like in terms of message that you want this audience who's quite candidly the direct audience, it's, it's, it's the people who are influencing decisions at the highest levels of sports media and all the things we talked about. What, what's, the, what's the top bullet point message you want people to take away? Oh, God, that's a tough one. Yeah, um, I know. You know, I, I, I think at the end of the day, um, it is underscoring the sustainability of our, our respective businesses. But ultimately, what we're trying to do here is make sure um, that we're providing an excellent customer experience for gambling. That means celebrating wins, but treating losses as a form of entertainment. Mm -hmm. So if we can, you know, communicate our work as a form of entertainment, make sure we understand the challenges that go along with it, are clearly communicating what we have to combat that, I think, I think we're setting ourselves up for success. And that is probably the longest bullet point I've ever given. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you're good at bullet points. I've seen your bullet points. You're phenomenal. All right. So much less serious topic. I, I put everyone on the personal hot seat here. Uh, what are you reading for fun? What's on the nightstand? Uh, all right. So I don't want to say the name of the book because I honestly hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I know. I'm so curious. So, I know. No, I'm not going to say that because it's it's well written. It's just not for me. I purchased it um, in preparation for a flight that I had to get on to go to a friend's wedding. It's a crime book. I was like, this will be a light, easy read. I just don't love it, but I am I'm. You, you can't eject? Uh, are you one of those? Like, I, I, It's one of my New Year's resolutions I kept. Like, If I don't like a book, I gave myself permission to stop reading. Are you, are you, a, are you a ejector or you read all the way through painfully? Okay, so typically I'm an ejector, but I paid full sticker price for this book. So <laughs> now, I, now I have about $18 in it. So uh, I love I'm going to finish the thing. Oh, my God. That's okay. What's the, is there anything that you're looking forward to reading or that you read that was good recently? I, I think I'm a little traumatized from uh, this current book. I, I've recently gotten into a new podcast, S-Town. Uh, so that will be taking up a lot of my free time. Ooh, tell me. Give me the headlines. S-Town. Another true crime podcast. Okay. It takes place in Alabama, um, so it's it's very much a piece that's touching on culture and that community, um, mm -hmm. which, it, in case you didn't realize, is something I'm super interested in. Uh -huh. um, and and just about you know the the goings on of that little town um, and some really unique characters to come out of that town. So I highly recommend it. Awesome, Teresa Fiore of Points Bet. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. It was great. Thanks for having me, Jay. Thanks for listening to Brand Story, Inc. We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.